Coming in, Haas. We're right at the limit. He's right the base. We're right at the limit. Ask not what your voice can do for you. We have landed. Welcome to the Haas Boys Podcast. My name is Max. I have Parker on my left. And I have Mike on my right. Uh. We are back after a week break. Oh, yeah. I went to Bali. <laughs> you did? Yeah, where did you guys go? I uh, just stayed here. Oh, Costco. It's not a very good improv. <laughs> I, I traveled the world, too. <laughs> no, good. Thanks for uh, sticking with us. Now that we're back, we promised a brand new episode. All new staff, all new writers. Um, so there's going to be a lot more jokes. Yeah, our HR person didn't take a break. I'll tell you that. Yeah, a lot of layoffs. Sarah, she was busy hiring good writers. <laughs> I mean, no more Lord of the Rings jokes. No. Yeah, it's all Star Wars based jokes now. Original trilogy. That was her one thing. Was I'll hire all the writers you want, but no more LOTR jokes, just Star Wars yeah. original trilogy. We had a lot of complaints about uh, Lord of the Rings quotes yeah. being yeah. used for F1 references. Yeah, we almost got canceled on Twitter. Yeah. We were trending. Because <laughs> they were like, Max is not Boromir. Yeah. Caused a massive hate storm on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Don't look for us on Twitter. Look for us on Instagram. Yeah. yeah. How was your vacay? It was, it was solid. Happy Father's Day. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, that was, I feel like that was the bulk of it, but it was just one day, but it felt like it was a big portion of it. I feel like with kids as young as yours, it's mostly just work for you. <laughs> nah, my wife made it very pleasant and awesome for me. She's the best. Thanks, Laurel. Over the past two weeks, we did have a few listener questions and listener just sending in some cool things. So we want to give some shout outs to those people. Some follow up. We have the best fans. We have the best Haas boys. Yeah. All right. So this first one, we've answered a question from this guy before. His name is Donald. He wrote us in. He said, y'all, Haas needs to learn, lean into its American roots. I think we've been doing that with our Macho Man Randy Savage Gunter impression. Yeah, I think yeah. that's definitely pushed him in the right direction. For sure. We gave him a roadmap. If we could have him nail that down yeah. as his permanent accent. Yeah. We could give him an accent we could recognize. Yeah. That'd be great. We'll remind him via voice memo how to answer questions. Yeah, yeah. They, they could finally make some money in America. Yeah. We gave them the roadmap. They just have to follow it. <laughs> he says, uh, lean into the American roots and hire a bunch of unpaid interns. Uh, I mean, students looking to gain valuable real world work experience. It's oh brilliant. God. This is and this is the clever part. He says, this would allow senior engineers to work on other development. Would that be allowed in the cost cap? Wow, what a thoughtful, awesome question. Don't let Mercedes hear this because that is... It's brilliant. That is brilliant and budgeting. Why why, why would the FIA not allow it? I couldn't imagine there's any rule that says you can't have a bunch of unpaid interns running around making Did things happen. Did you say interns? Interns. That's Lewis's assistant. Yeah. <laughs> he gets interns. She is not paid. Don't no, Angela. Don't you can't do Angela like that. You have, can't do have it. Have the intern get my scooter <laughs> 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 on the double. Uh, uh, is there a problem with my toilet? Is it an intern? <laughs> no, it's got turds in. <laughs> some people went to wet. Some people went to interns. It's a strong American tradition. It is. Yeah. 
they just need to plug into that. Yeah. I wonder if this is going to play more so into the fact that most of the card building and development is done in Marinello. I don't know Italy's laws around oh. unpaid interns. Every remote job, just make it an intern. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then hire Max for merch. Yeah. Double oh. your merch production. Yeah. Easily. Because he's he's going to work on printing it. Yeah. <laughs> He'll work on actually making merch. Yeah. He'll yeah. sew through the night. He sews like the wind. I mean, if you offered some sort of like college kid a free flight to Marinello to work at Haas... They would do it for free. Three months. You give three yeah. three months out of those. Kids. Uh, I might yeah. actually take them up. Exactly. On that. That's no. a good. That's a sweet gig. Yeah. Um, another listener writes in. His name's Anthony. He's also emailed in before. Another yeah. great Haas boy. Anthony oh, yes. Valdez. Anthony. Thanks, bro. He says. I mean, lucky him. He said he got to go to the Montreal Grand Prix. So this is his email. Oh. On my way to my first Grand Prix in Montreal, and I ran into Crofty at the airport. Wow. Yo. Right. He was incredibly gracious. I would recognize that voice anywhere. That makes me think, is just Crofty just loudly talking his way through an airport? Yeah. And there goes Hamilton (laughs) into his bathroom. (laughs) Oh, the plane is leaving in five minutes. They're now sitting comfort plus. (laughs) It's doors open and away we go. Welcome along to the Delta loading boarding period. Uh, uh, sorry, sir. Um, the other passengers are asking if you would just please. The average time lost on the jetway is 19 seconds. The drink service is coming shortly, Mister. We would just please appreciate if you would just receiving talk keep your back from the plebs. Kimmy does not have the drink. Give Kimmy the drink. So he says, this is the best. He even complimented me on my Haas hat. Yes. Crofty is a Haas boy. Yeah, he is. That's amazing. Um, And then this is where it gets juicy. He says, by the way, during our two minute conversation, he didn't tell me that Otmar doesn't smoke crack. Oh. Really makes you think. It really, (laughs) really does. I mean, there's a picture. um, If Anthony lets us, we'll post this on Instagram so you can see the proof. Let me see. Um, Hold hold it up for us all to see. Oh, Anthony. There he is. I actually didn't know what he looks like until this picture. There he is. That's Anthony. But the Haas hat looks good. I mean, yeah, if the top leader of Formula One can't confirm Otmar's not smoking crack. <laughs> the yeah. top leader. Yeah. <laughs> so he had this entire conversation with David Croft, <laughs> CEO. And, and at no point did he say that Otmar doesn't smoke crack. Exactly. We need to address very briefly, he is once again on thin ice. Uh-huh. We're going to revisit this in a minute, but... Otmar better watch himself. Yeah, the last two races, there's been some Alpine um, confrontation. Some nonsense. Yeah, yeah. Al- Otmar was on thin ice for the crack thing, and now he's on thin ice for other reasons. Yeah, He's really on thin ice now, man. Yeah. I mean, it's coming down from top brass. Yeah. He's a sketchy guy. Wow. Everybody else, if you run into anybody involved in F1, make sure... Don't say anything about the crack, but just listen. Just because just no, close because silence says a million words. That's the old That's saying. That's the thing. If you it, like, it's in those silent pauses that you will get the real truth. The facts will. S- be silent. They'll be silent. And that's what I've learned in my conspiracy training is facts are silent. There's this guys. <laughs> facts are silent. Look into their eyes because facts are silent. Yep. Look into yep. their eyes. Facts are silent. Yeah. <laughs> the tension, the tension I heard around, yeah. you know, Crofty and Brundle after 
Otmar stole Charles Leclerc's watch. Yeah. I, I, it was, it spoke complete yeah. volume. Yeah. Volumes. It, we knew, we knew what, we knew Otmar took it. We've got a warning to everybody out there. Everybody in F1 that's up to shenanigans, Otmar, I don't know, others. Yeah. Who knows? We got a warning for you. Yeah. The Haas boys have ears everywhere. Yeah. And yeah. we're listening. Yeah. And we're not going to take it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now we got Crofty. Watch your backs. He's on our team. Yeah. Great email. And then our final email for the week. This is from Cade Vines. He asked our Lord of the Rings question um, with the previous writer staff. So yeah. Um, <laughs> MVP. So he was, he really appreciated. It. He said, thanks for taking the time to read the question. He said, so a few things. He loved that Daniel and Mary, uh, sorry, Daniel and Lando were Mary and Pippin. Okay. Yep. Uh -huh. He likes that Max has Boromir works. He says it's spot on. If Checo is Faramir, the lesser loved of the two, which <gasps> would make Horner Denethor. Whoa. Oh. He has great insight. Yeah. The steward of Gondor. It's too bad this new season is all Star Wars themed. Yeah. <laughs> we have to throw it out of the way. We got to get a cherry tomato in front of Christian <laughs> Horner to see if he's truly Denethor. Mm, yeah. It would fit. He would fit. Just dangle it in front of his cute little nose. Yeah. Get that in front of Christian Horner and see if he truly is if like- If he just sets fire to himself. Little cherry tomatoes, that ginger spice. He's a little cherry tomato. Ooh, I've heard him say that about <laughs> her. My little cherry tomato. Um, oh. He says, Parker, he cherry. says, I don't know why I'm looking at you, but like he says, feel free to try and impersonate me. I promise you won't offend me. Let's go Haas. Okay. Okay. Where did he say he was from? Texas. Texas. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So- Whatever Texas people sound like. <laughs> it's good like know. everyone else in America it's now. I'm from Texas, eh? Oh, yeah, I'm from Texas, boy. <laughs> Just throw y'all on Coming there and in it's Texas. Coming in from Texas. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think about Lord of the Rings? It was made in my city. <laughs> this, is a, this is an amazing accent. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can't permit Gollum it. Gollum is a friend. <laughs> Not foul. <laughs> shift gears a little bit back to the two races that we haven't been able to recap real quick let's talk about who got on the podiums of first azerbaijan that was max verstappen sergio perez oh i don't know if you've heard martin but i'm with mercedes now george russell uh the yes. coolest guy on the grid he's this the so coolest cool. guy on the yeah, grid. yeah he's cool, cool has a girlfriend <laughs> he's Pretty told cool. us about her she goes Pretty. to another school so we don't see her very much but he's told us about her <laughs> and she's super hot <laughs> smoking uh According and then last week the canada grand prix that just happened yes who got the podium the podium was max p1 p2 Carlos signs, which was a thrilling battle to the end. Kudos to those two for duking it out and making it interesting. And then Lewis Hamilton in P3. Gotcha. Okay. And then our overall driver standing right now. It's Max Verstappen, who is leading the championship, followed by Sergio Perez. Wow. How close are we in points there? I think it's, a, it's about 46 points in the gap. But here's the disheartening part is that Sergio's in second. Charles has fallen to third at 126 points. He's three points outside of Sergio, who is then 46 points out of the lead. And then fourth is George Russell, right? Correct. See, Mr. Consistency. Yeah. He's up there. He'll sneak, he'll sneak up. That's amazing. Well, and the point swing from a couple, week, couple weeks ago has been almost exactly equal to where it was. So... 
Max was 60 some odd points out of the lead last year this year from just a couple of uh, Red Bull discrepancies that they had reliability issues and now that's swung the other way mm. where Ferrari's really struggling with reliability Jeez. so it was that Azerbaijan where most all the cars that like DNF were Ferrari power units and that affected Haas yeah and then again in Canada Haas didn't have a good race it was an unfortunate race for lots of reasons which is one major one Alpine Esteban, yeah, and now we're now we're back. Yeah, and I just got to say, Otmar, you got you better get your Esteban under control. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, because this guy, he comes over the radio and he says, "Oh, that that end plate flapping in the wind up there with Magnuson, that's dangerous." Is yeah. what he says over the radio. Yeah. Trademark Lewis Hamilton. And yeah. right, and Esteban <laughs> admits it to K Mag after the race and says, "Hey, I came over the radio and said that front end plate is dangerous." That needs to be taken care of. This guy. I called it that they would flag you. I wanted to see if they could be convinced. Wait, what? What is this conversation? Do you remember we were watching it and they said the black and orange flag? Right, and Max and I were like, what is this flag? First of all, we didn't know that flag meant. So you're saying that Esteban approached K-Mag after the race and said, hey, I wanted to see if they would flag you. And so I tried this and they did. Yep, he owned it. And then Kevin said... Well, if the FIA is going to be that easy to convince, you would do it, wouldn't you? So fair play. Because Kevin's a boss and he didn't want to necessarily be like, I'm so put out by Esteban. He's not yeah. mad at Esteban. His approach is the FIA, the FIA got to figure this out. You can't just throw that out there and then black flag somebody. Uh, so, so Lewis Hamilton won a race last year with his end plate hanging off of his car. Uh, but that's not dangerous if it's him. Right. Um, so you're saying that Esteban actually approached K-Mag in good faith and said, hey, this was kind of weird that the FIA really took the bait. I mean, I don't know if it was in that tone. It almost sounded like Giggly Ocon kind of being like, hey, yeah. I tracked this and it worked. Interesting. Sorry you finished last. Yeah, it messed us up. I mean, it completely we started, screwed the race. We started Canada P5 and P6, the best qualifying Mick has ever had. Yeah, we were right. really excited. It was amazing. Yeah. And then just to have that happen to Kevin right at the beginning, Lewis hitting his wing. Which is another thing we got to talk about. Yeah. I have heard this before. Oh, if you're on the outside and you don't belong there and you can't execute a pass or whatever, whatever the other driver does is pretty much fair game. Bull. Bull. What are you talking about? Because basically Kevin came up alongside. Lewis decides to squeeze in late break. He makes contact with Kevin's wing. And Kevin's race is doomed from that moment. Yeah. Lewis didn't leave him enough space. And every situation when a driver doesn't leave another car enough space, they get a penalty. And in this situation, he we know the results. Lewis finishes P3 and he acts like it's a win. <laughs> and pushed his assistant into the bay, <laughs> as promised. <laughs> <laughs> was his promise all along, yeah. as we heard. Yeah. Because we heard a little differently than the press. Yeah, and so Kevin's race is completely screwed. They black flag him because of Ocon, which is the black and orange flag, which is if you don't come in and repair it, you will get a black flag, which will be a DQ, DNF. Wow. End your race. So at no point did they have an option. He had to come in and change his front wing. And within a lap and a half, 
after they changed his wing, they had yeah. a safety car. It was like a lap. No, it was like crazy. Maybe even three quarters of a yeah. lap. It was yes. So close. Such bad timing. And Ugh. so for the FIA to burn Haas like that, for Alpine to burn Haas like that, yeah. is just ridiculous. We're talking about if it's not the actual second, they claim to be the second largest automotive manufacturer on the globe, Renault. Renault. So with Alpine playing a game like that with Haas, we already know they think they're the white Ferrari in air quotes, which is a joke and clearly went nowhere. But for them to play a game like that where they're getting what they want by just being like, oh, that's dangerous. Thin ice, man. Thin ice, hot bar. And then Mick was holding up pretty well. He, he was, had, he was looking like a points finish. Absolutely. Got, took six places after that. It was pit. amazing. And then his power unit just what? Just crapped out. Just did every did the same thing that all the other cars did in Baku. Yeah. Everyone's cars failing in Baku. Was, I almost felt like that was kind of like a matter of time. It's like every Ferrari power unit is kind of like doomed. One or the other at some point, you know? And Kevin's went in Baku and then Mix went. Yeah, we've it, only been getting like two races Canada. out of any one of these power units. Which is so funny because at the beginning of the year and they haven't changed the engine spec, they were so reliable. They were the ones who did the most laps in testing. Mm-hmm. They were the ones who've had the most reliable car out of everybody. Suddenly, yeah. they've just turned a screw somewhere yeah. <laughs> that hasn't paid off. Yeah. yeah, it was disappointing. Really disappointing for Haas. Huge disappointment. Because of all of this, in my opinion, it's looking like a Max Sergio battle with Russell in the mix in the mix. That's what it's feeling like for the finale of this season. I think I really think that the Ferraris are just on a downward spiral. All the power units of Ferrari are just kind of on a, on a downward trend. Well, has Ferrari done their upgrade package yet? They did do one in Spain. Oh, and, uh, so far I don't think it should have played into reliability. So they've, they've really got to figure it out and they've got to figure it out quick. Cause the beginning of the year, we were talking about this with Red Bull because they took over their power unit division from Honda. There was a lot of change there. So there was a lot of reason for uncertainty with their failures. But with Ferrari, they've got nothing that changed. So suddenly this is the scariest problem in the world because they don't know what's causing it. So for all of their power units to be failing, they've got to figure it out immediately. Yeah, that's terrible. On the other side of things here, this is one last little note. Seems convenient timing. And one of my favorite things over the last couple of weeks, Mercedes threw a fit and made it known with the most theatrical Lewis getting out of the car. Yes. With I remember back pain. This is in Baku. In Baku. And I've compared <laughs> this to soccer playing a little bit where you have somebody who nudges you and you flop, mm-hmm. which is soccer, right? And you try to get the yellow card. And if you're lucky, the red card. And that guy gets tossed out of the game, right? So Mercedes is like, you know what we're going to do in Baku? We're going to crank up the porpoising and we're going to have you guys come out of the car. You're going to have compression and back issues. Okay. And then we're going to say, we, we've got to change the regulations. We've got to. It's hurting our seven time champion. <laughs> yeah. It's hurting this young man who he's, he's not vertically challenged. He has a hot <laughs> girlfriend. <laughs> He's tall, okay? He's tall and he's beautiful. And we need his back, okay? Wow. And why would they do this? It's because if you remember the last couple of seasons, Red Bull and Ferrari were constantly launching, this isn't working for us, this is doing this, just to try to slow Mercedes down, and it never worked. So Mercedes is now on the back foot. 
And they're trying it in a different route, being like, this is actually, this is hurting us. Mm -hmm. We're causing physical pain with our car. Mm -hmm. So we need to change the regulations to slow the other teams down and find a way to push our car forward. It's essentially the tactic. It's just more yeah. politics. And it's more politics. And then? The FIA bites back, and this is my favorite, is that they say, instead of changing the regulation, they say, oh, cool, guess what? We're going to use the meter in the car that already exists to measure G-forces, and it's got to be within a certain tolerance, but we're going to measure the bouncing in your car. And if you can't fix it before FP3 in Canada, you're disqualified. And so... All of the teams were put on notice. If your car exceeds the bounce limit of G in Canada, you'll be disqualified. And then suddenly Mercedes is looking around like, oh, well, we, we didn't see that coming. Yeah. Well, I think that they were going to do the same thing they did with the pit stops, where it's right. like, that, we that can't beat right. Red Bull in a quick pit stop competition, so we'll complain it's not safe, yeah. and now they have to be a minimum of two seconds. Yeah, or, but, because and we they have to wait for it. a light. Yeah. It's a perfect parallel. Yeah. So they do this again. They do what they did with pit stops, and it backfires. And in a magnificent way. <laughs> Which First is, of all, before you get into that, and what do you think would be best case in their mind? Best case is, is that we're going to level the playing field as the FIA. Toto's like, we're going to lo level the playing field, and what would that look like? This is just a guess, but we're going to change what is legal for ground effects. Gotcha. So everybody conforms to Mercedes. Right. Yeah, exactly. Essentially, that's what they're going for. They're hoping for some form of favoritism. Yeah. But it didn't work. And all they got in response was, fix the bounce or you'll be disqualified. Yeah, amazing. And it was just, it was just poetic yeah. justice. Yeah. It was essentially, and this is the best, as I, I heard the guy at WTF1 describe it this way, Matt. He said it's the meme of the guy riding a bike and then he puts a <laughs> stick in the spoke and causes <laughs> himself to <laughs> fall. Damn FIA. Yeah, it made me laugh hard, but I was like, that is a perfect metaphor for this. And then it was like, it was crazy how fast their porpoising issue was fixed. Well, and here was and the- And then how quickly his back, Lewis's back healed, right? Right, and this was my favorite report ever was that motorsport.com releases an article today that headline states- Mercedes solves porpoising issue. <laughs> Brilliant engineers at Mercedes. That seems awful oh convenient. Oh my gosh. It's just too, it's too perfect to even question if that's what's happened. Oh, it was absolutely what they were trying to do. Oh, it shiz. backfired. And so they were like, all right, porpoising gone. <laughs> so looking forward, we have this week and next week and Silverstone's next week. Do we have hope for Haas looking forward for the rest of the season? We've had some bad races currently. Have they used their upgrade package or however that works? To my knowledge, they still haven't brought upgrades, which is something to be said because Sebastian and Aston Martin this weekend also looked really strong. Yeah. Throughout the practice session, Sebastian and Alonso led FP3. Yeah. And everyone was like, man, if this is qualifying, this is going to be a great, great, a great race. Yeah. We've got two of the greats at the front. But then something kind of fell apart at Aston Martin and qualifying just completely was a swing and a miss. Mm. But Haas was able to swing both a great FP3 and FP2 yeah. and a great qualifying session. Here's where everyone should be shaken in their boots. And again, the momentum is going to come our direction at some point here. As a team that has yet to upgrade their car, they're still qualifying P5 and P6. Awesome. The car is still phenomenal. And once they yeah. do finally bring upgrades, everyone should be afraid. 
Yes. Because the car is that good. Be afraid of the Gunter. He haunts your dreams. You're either a wanker or a rock star. You must be a wanker or a rock star. Choose one. Order 66. Star Wars. Yeah, we got to go back to Star Wars. Shoot, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Shoot, you're hey, right. Hey, Outer Rim. That's, yeah, that's what I know. Yeah. That's your Emperor impression. Yeah. yeah. Um, Do it. So that's great. That's f- that's good news. Yeah, this is great news. Thanks for bringing some good news to us, Mike. That's what I'm here for. Man, we love you. <laughs> and the, <laughs> Thanks, big, guys. And the big teams are struggling with this budget. Yeah. And Gunter is like, dude, we got this unlocked because it's what we do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, budget, budget. <laughs> budget. <laughs> but. He's uh, like, everyone in their hospitality units has fine dining. Yeah. We've got McDonald's. Yeah. We're still plunging Seb's old toilet from Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> we have to plunge it every time. <laughs> But carbon fiber plunger, they splurged on that. They yeah. did. You have yeah. to if, if Cave Mag's using that. Guys, Haas is just the best on the grid. It's so fun. These budget caps, people struggling with budget, and Gunter's like, we've been doing this since the beginning. Yeah. And P5 and P6 is such a slap in the face to every oh. team who has been spending money, like copious amounts of money. Yeah. Where the Aston Martin is monumentally different from where it started. Yeah. It's kind of hilarious that once they got to qualifying, they couldn't get out of Q1. And then here comes Haas and they're like, P5, P6. Yeah, dope. So fun. I also just want to point out one thing. It was very, very fun and exciting to see how much airtime they got in Canada on Sky Sports. Mm -hmm. Got a lot of airtime. It was just so fun to see Haas's on the screen. It's great to see him dice with Mercedes. And again, we just need Mercedes to be treated equally. And then we will see some good racing between the two of them. A lot of focus on Mick Schumacher, highest he's ever qualified. And so there's a lot of excitement around him. Even when Haas F1 posted about qualifying, they didn't post K-Mag's picture. It was Mick's, even though he qualified under K-Mag. Right. But I think that's just because everyone is excited about Mick Schumacher and his potential. The time when he scores points is going to be very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And so what we want to do for the rest of the episode is talk about Mick Schumacher. We haven't given him an episode yet, and I think now's a good time. We're yeah. anticipating points soon, so let's dive into who this cool guy is. He's Side a, note. Let's do a cool it. guy. And I don't know if you want to leave this in the podcast, but remember at the beginning of the podcast when we were drumming up lots of energy about how much we thought Mazepin was a good, good driver? Yeah. I'll be honest. That was a lot of fake enthusiasm for me. Yeah, we need to come clean to our yeah, listeners was, here. It was it was a hot, it was a tough time. Was, we were early in the podcast. <laughs> we were we didn't know who we were yet. <laughs> we were experimenting and we said some things about Nikita that we now have to admit weren't completely genuine. It's it's hard trying to polish a turd or yeah, something like Yeah, but we tried and I hope you guys feel like we did it because we wanted to give that kid all the good faith we could. Gunter and Mick, we love them. Yeah. When K-Mag came on board, it was great. Yeah. And now we have Mick Schumacher. Yeah. And which is just wonderful. <laughs> Guys, can I just say something though? It feels really good to have off my chest. <laughs> yeah. This I does really feel, feel a lot better really, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really yeah. do. Yeah, you did a great job. 
thanks we, guys. We really, we really got behind Nikita, man. We were there for him. He did blow it. Now we can admit it was, it was pretty forced. It was a rough 2021, and and we're really excited about how 22 shaped up thus far. Yeah. Yes, our boy Mick. We really, I think all of us know it. it that momentum's the coming. Golden boy, pony yeah. boy. He's coming. Yeah. He's coming along great, and you know he's had some rough weeks, but. Here's the thing that's kind of interesting about him. He's kind of a late bloomer, but some of the things that's also been interesting about Mick's career in the past is that in order to be kind of respected and to try to earn his spot without any favoritism, but also to kind of like not almost like to throw the scent off from his rivals for treating him differently, Mick went by just Mick Jr., as a carding when he was a carding no kid. No last name. He didn't go by Mick Schumacher. He went by Mick Jr. Mm. And that was, again, to kind of just earn his spot, show people what he was made of, and be able to kind of gain that respect. Really respectable move. Totally. Yeah. He could have just been thrown his weight around as, I'm a shoomy. Yeah. I'm a shoomy. Get me on a podium with Danny. Do a shoey. Everybody wants to see me sticky, gooey, gooey. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, that was really good. How did uh, Mick do do in karting? In his uh, karting days, he did get a, a few thirds, a couple of seconds. He got second in the German Junior Karting Championship, as well as the European and World Karting Championships. Now, is he properly German? Um, so he was raised in Switzerland with okay. his family. He grew up in Gland. Such a bland, neutral... The bland town of Gland. <laughs> so neutral. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> Real neutral. You never thought neutral would be this sexy. They'll never enter a war. Tell my wife I said, hello, neutral, baby. <laughs> Keep it in neutral. <laughs> Can't rev an engine in gear, my friend. You got to do it in neutral. <laughs> that, that just tops it. <laughs> We, it's a common phrase. It is in America. I mean, so he got some championships in karting? So he finished second um, regularly. And uh, he did have some thirds, ninth, sevenths, a few other things. But did finish second in German, European, and world championships. And although he didn't okay. race under his surname, um, his successes in karting were picked up by the international press. So he was being con called Mick Jr., this mm -hmm. karting sensation who was finishing second in the championship. That's really cool. That's such a nice thing to know about that guy. Yeah. But yeah, he didn't try to ride his name, but he went and performed, used his, you know, used his own name. And it's funny. It's like you reach F1 and it's like, might as well just use your name. You've reached the pinnacle here, man. Yeah. As he j entered the junior formulas, that's when he started using his name. But I think it was because that's a little less loose. You uh, Once you step into a formula, you've got to start getting your licenses they're going to start calling you by the name on your license. And his dad is Michael Schumacher, right. who is seven-time world champion. He's like the Lewis of the 90s, right? Correct. Yeah, in the in early Their 2000s. Time, yeah. yeah. And so his dad, we, we've talked about him, the, like the most richest athlete of all time. One of the highest paid, the highest athletes. paid athletes ever. Yep. And, um, and revolutionized pay. Yeah. For F1 drivers. And athletes in general. And he revolutionized that formula, that Ferrari car. He was just like a... Insane right. driver. Well, it, dedicated. Uh, Refer back to episode 11 for all of that information. Man, we've covered a lot of cool topics. We have. We have. So he did Formula 4, moved up to Formula 3, and all the way up to Formula 2, uh, 
before he came into Formula One. So he went through the junior formulas. He didn't skip any or anything like that. Mm-hmm. He didn't pull a Max. Like Max. Um, but I do think that Max and Mick did compete against each other mm. through the junior formulas because uh, they were similar in age. Because okay. Max is 23. Mick is 23. It'd be interesting to see so, if those races, who won. Yeah, so... Yeah. But uh, in 2018, uh, Mick won the Formula 3 championship. Cool. And then in 2020... Tough to do. Yeah, for sure. And then in 2020, he won the Formula 2 championship. This guy's awesome. Yeah. You don't just win that by being mediocre. So if people think that like he's in this seat because of the Schumacher name and his association with Ferrari, being a Ferrari standby driver. Yeah. Like he's got the pedigree, but he also has the skill. He's definitely earned his keep, you know? So, but here's the thing that I thought was really interesting. And this is something that I dig because I think that it's, it shows a lot of strength in a different way. Mick won a Formula 2 championship, but only has three Formula 2 wins. But he has 11 podiums. Hmm. So, killing him softly with a lot of consistency, hmm. despite not having been able to just win the race. So, but it's just cool. similar to what George is doing right now, right? Yeah. yeah. If you can be king consistency, eh, find yeah. yourself third or fourth in the championship and in the fight. Yeah. Mm. And so that's what he did. He won, He pushed his way through with just consistency and ended up getting himself a Formula 2 title. So here's a question. Red Bull is notorious for getting their pick of the young litter. Right. Why is Mick not on Alpha, Tari? Why is he on Haas and not on one of these other teams that have strong farm teams? Well, I think that there's a lot of trust in that Ferrari blood, right? I think that it doesn't matter that Ferrari were having, you know, while he was in 2020, you know, Ferrari's having a mediocre season. Yeah. And in 2019, an even worse one, right? I think that what was interesting for a guy like Mick is, hey, like my dad won seven championships six of them or five of them or whatever it was with Ferrari, you know, I want to be able to race for the same team. I think was first of all, first and foremost, that would be the reason that I think he went to that direction. Heritage. Right. But secondly, while he was in the junior formulas was approached to join the Ferrari family. So that through Haas. Well, through just the Ferrari family, which Haas is a part of. Yeah. Yeah, so he started on one team in Formula 4 and then while racing for them was approached to join uh, Prima Power Team, which is a Ferrari farm team and are a part of the Ferrari Driver Academy, which gotcha. is Giovinazzi was a part of, Mick was a part of. So he, he got on Charles the Ferrari track of. early and that's why he hasn't gone to these other teams. So he's, he's pretty dead set on being a Ferrari driver. Yeah, and I mean to kind of, and it sounds like he's on his way. And to kind of prove a point there for our listeners that aren't super familiar for how this kind of works, as far as like the lifeline or the trajectory of a driver is that you do usually align yourself with a team that young. So in Formula Four, that was in 2015, 2014, Mm -hmm. and he's 23 years old. So take eight years off of his age, you know. Is a young kid when he's deciding what team he wants to race for. And consider how impressionable you are. Be like, oh, I want to race for my dad's team. Let's go Ferrari. So I think, but that you, you know, that's at the same time as Carlos Sainz and 
Max Verstappen are signing agreements for Red Bull Jr. Oh, interesting. How old is he when his dad gets injured? Because his dad's in a, like a like a coma basically right now. You can watch that great Michael Schumacher documentary on Netflix um, about Michael Schumacher, and you learn that like he has an accident. Now he's just kind of in a in a state where he can't really do anything, and it's 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 too bad because now we have Mick Schumacher, and he's doing great things with Haas, and he's going to be getting better and better. And it's just too bad that he doesn't have his dad to not only watch him on the races, but then to give him advice, like the greatest of all time. And you can't have those conversations with your dad. It's really quite tragic and very sad. Yeah, and being that he's 23, his dad um, had this accident in 2013, 2013, so nine years ago, Mm. which would put make it, you know, about... 14? 14 years old. 14, 15 from what I can remember. And... um, that's not, you know, at that point, Mick had been karting for years. So I think that one huge thing to remember, at least for a lot of us, is that there was still a lot of coaching from dad through mm-hmm. all of that. So I think there's still a lot of Michael in his ability. From 15 on, I think that's something that's really kind of interesting there is when you look at Charles, and Charles's story is really tragic and I was sad say, as well. Chuck has a similar background and they're both kind of like these mature young guys they give off that like vibe totally they're very independent and mature and i think that they both reflect a lot of the kind of rocky road that they've been on Mm -hmm. um through their you know persona their way they represent themselves but mick has had i would say a huge amount of support from formula one legends and a lot of people around him to kind of be like hey like Let's get you to the next level. Like, what do you need? Yeah. Here's some coaching. Here's some ideas. And then the Ferrari Driver Academy, just like like Red Bull Jr., has a lot of really good coaches to really help them get to the next level. And some things that are going to be a little bit more relevant to today that even Michael could be able to overcome. Mm, Yeah. But I do think that at the end of the day, there is something to be said about Jos Verstappen being there for Max and what is capable for Mick to be able to get from his dad at the racetrack. I do think that that would be really tough to overcome. I think at one yeah. point it clicked with me how heartwarming those pictures are of Sebastian playing soccer with Mick. Right. Uh, I didn't realize until I saw a picture of Michael Schumacher playing soccer with Sebastian. Right. And oh, no. and then for Sebastian to be kind of like a, like a father figure for Mick and to be playing soccer with him like on like the track when they're not doing anything is like really kind of heartwarming and kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. It's super cool. And I know that Michael and Sebastian got along really well. And Sebastian, he wanted to be the German that drove for Ferrari and won tons of titles after Michael did. That was his goal. He wasn't quiet about it. Even when he was at Red Bull, it was everyone's a Ferrari fan, you know? So he really wanted to, to make that happen and still a disappointing thing that it didn't come to fruition, but of course, he wants to be able to help Mick see that dream through. And I think that that's something that's huge value to him, especially, again, Sebastian and Michael's driving styles are very different. So to be able to learn from somebody like Seb is really uh, huge. So here's a question to throw right at you, and I don't know if you can answer it. So what is Mick's driving style? Well, I think right now what we've seen is that at times he can be aggressive. You know, He can throw it down the inside when he's got the opportunity. I think that, again... In Formula One, I think it's been tough. There's been a lot less opportunity for him to do that. And I think right now they do have a little bit of a bird's eye watching him, like the all-seeing eye. Like, please don't crash. 
yeah. <laughs> you know um and so i think that right now it's really tough to be like mick is this type of driving style but you know because like we'll say that there's some that stick out like albon albon is the king of going the hard way around somebody he'll make it stick he'll yeah. make it work yeah huh so like that's his move is that if someone's not going to give him the inside then he'll go with the outside and the car's going to work he makes it happen and that's an impressive thing that albon has but almost everyone else is just precision f1's all about being perfect i think that that's where mick is evolving and he's growing to being able to be a little bit more flawless in his driving we've already talked about it but we can stick him in the consistent camp yeah consistency is huge and i think he's got that nailed once haas can figure out that power unit and get some consistency in the car then we can start to see some consistency from the driver yeah. placing that car higher up i yeah. would say that a lot of what this year has shown us has been more has been drivers being consistent and the team being inconsistent and i think it's been an Ooh, it's been a very unfortunate that's an interesting quote Jeez, you're just whipping that out we just got to get the momentum going on the other side of camp. Yeah. And we're going to start seeing some big results. Let's go. As we head into Silverstone and kind of the, you know, the other half of this year now, we've done nine races of 22. So we've got 13 to go. And I'm optimistic that we're still not halfway. The momentum can still swing our direction. Mm-hmm. We just have to put that positive energy out there. We won't call any predictions because we, <laughs> we know that we sort of cursed them a few weeks ago. But I think if we can just get that momentum, like I said a second ago, heading in the other side of camp, get the team consistent, then we're going to start delivering. And I think it's going to be really cool to see Mick and Kevin dice with some of these big names and really show them what they got. So pray to the Haas engineering gods so they can get the car, so that Mick and Kevin can get the cars that they need. Well, and strategy, right? I think strategy has been an Achilles heel, just like Ferrari with Haas we can get that dialed it's gonna it's gonna happen yeah it's it's gonna happen i'm glad that we have mick on the team i'm glad that, that this guy is like skilled i think him and k-mag get along well together k-mag being kind of like a you know their teammates their rivals in their own team but like also kind of like a mentor as well right it's good to see well and i think with kevin having a multi-year deal he doesn't have this like pressure or threat from mick yeah it's more of like let me help you learn what i know yeah. and let's get you up to speed and i do think that mick gets a lot of media pressure. And there's something that's like, as Americans, we're not going to see. He's German, and in the German press, they're going to talk about him differently than we are, right? And he's the son of a Schumacher, and the entire sport knows that. So the expectation is skyscraper size. It's huge. So if he can get that pressure off of himself, it's like Carlos Sainz. I think both of them are perfect examples of like, let it go a little I think we're going to see results from both of them, actually. There's a lot of drivers on the grid that are sons of drivers. Yeah. Carlos and Max and Mick. Three guys. Second generation drivers is, is a real thing, for three sure. Guys. <laughs> three guys. Three out of 20, though. <laughs> Where do you think that there's it's only that many? High, pretty high percentage. Yeah. That's great. Uh, we have great things to look forward to for the rest of the season. Um, with the new staff on board of the Haas boys, lots of great jokes to prepare for. Yeah, lots of interns for us to fire too. <laughs> yeah. Lots of firing is going to be happening. Lots of tears. We will be recording them live yeah. to put on our Instagram and shame them. Yeah, shame them, of course. <laughs> and feel free to email us if you have any suggestions about who we should fire. The funniest ways Haas to fire boys someone. At, yeah, funniest ways to fire people and also who we should hire, suggestions of who to fire. 
yeah. uh, at Haas Boys HQ. We love to hear these suggestions. If you know someone you want to get hired and then fired, yeah. email us at doshaasboys at gmail.com and haas.boys at Instagram. Yeah. Send us questions, people you want to get hired, but then will be fired. Yeah, and we do need resumes. Yeah, uh, <laughs> thorough ones. But also, be sure to follow us on all these social media platforms. Like, subscribe, smash buttons, as they say. Smash yeah, do all that. as many buttons as you can find. And tell your friends about the Haas Boys. Yeah. yeah. And invite them to join us as Haas Boys. We had a reel that blew up. It, we did. It was at like 20,000 views, and then it jumped up to 50 in one day. Everyone was mad at each other in the comments. I it love was it. great. It We're was Instagram great. famous, baby. <laughs> so <laughs> tell your friends. We'll love to have them. Bring them into the family. Well, thank you. We'll see you next week. Bye. That's one podcast. I don't know Italy's laws around unpaid interns.